2 Kings chapter 5. Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor. This word changes everything. But he was a leper. It all looks really good. He was a mighty man of valor. God had used him. He was a man that God had used to bring deliverance. He was an honorable man. But he was a leper. And it's like it doesn't matter what good he's done. There's this mark that's hanging over his head that all of the good he's accomplished. He has one struggle, one problem, one issue. He was a mighty man, but he was a great man, but God used him, but he was a leper. And this speaks volumes. It doesn't matter what good I try to do. It's always going to hang over my head that I am a leper. And so it was told to him that if he would get to the prophet Elisha, that God would touch Naaman. And he believed that God would heal his body. And so the scripture said that he came all the way to the house of Elisha. And it was a long journey. But the scripture said, and I'll read verse 9 for the sake of time. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot. And he stood at the door of the house of Elisha. He was standing at the door. He was close. Somebody say he was close to a breakthrough. Man, I want to preach this to somebody tonight. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him. Saying, go and wash in Jordan seven times. And thy flesh shall come again to thee. And thou shalt be clean. Now, I'm just going to kind of walk this road a little bit with you here. And I don't know how... How far I'll get tonight, but I feel like I'm in the will of God this evening. He came to the door looking for an answer. But when he got to the door, the answer was not the answer that he wanted. He had a preconceived idea of how God was going to revive and restore him. And when he came to the door of revival... The very next verse. He got the answer that was going to fix it. He said, if you'll wash seven times, thou shalt be clean. But I want you to look at the verse uh, 11, the beginning of verse 11. But Naaman was wroth and went away. But Naaman was wroth and went away. This is a great, this is a great, great chapter. Great story. I love this story. But God has sent me here tonight to help somebody. And I'm just going to tell you the gist of where I'm going before I ever get finished. you got to be committed to the processes of God. It's easy to get frustrated, especially when you've been seeking God for certain things in your life that you feel like are coming your way. Perhaps you've been baptized in Jesus' name and you desire to have the gift of the Holy Ghost. But God hasn't given you the Holy Ghost yet or you haven't received the Holy Ghost yet. And you're frustrated. 
and you come to God with questions, but when God gives you the answer, it's not the answer that you wanted. Now, we're going to have just a moment right here. We're going to pray together, and I'm going to talk to you. God's going to help us in this place, but we're going to pray before we do because I've been asking God to prepare the soil. And I'm just going to tell you what I believe in this place right now. I'm just kind of taking it easy because we're going to let God be God and let God do what only He can do. But I believe, you hear me when I, t- when I say this tonight, I believe that there will not be one single vessel in this room tonight that is not ready to receive the Word of God by the time we finish praying. I believe that God is getting ready to open up the hearts. And I don't believe I've ever said this in my ministry. But God is going to open the hearts of 100% of the people in this room. There is a freedom that I feel in the Holy Ghost tonight. And God is going to speak to your hearts. God's going to speak to your lives. And somebody's going to see tonight that what God promised you, it's going to come to pass. But you've got to be committed to the process. Now I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And we're going to pray together. In the name of the Lord Jesus. God, I feel you so close to me right now. Lord, I feel your angels. I feel those ministering spirits moving and working in this house right now. Lord, let them walk the aisles. I pray that angels would walk in between every pew in this place right now. God, let people be mindful and begin to feel the presence of heaven. Let them feel, God, the angels that you have dispatched into this place. God, I believe you spoke to my heart, and I believe you're going to prepare 100% of the soil in this room right now. Come on, church. Reach your hands to the Lord right now. We're going to open up our vessels and be ready to receive. God, every man, every woman, and every child in this room right now, I'm asking you, Lord, that you would search their heart and prepare the soil for the good seed of the Word of God. I'm standing on your Word right now, Lord, 100%. There's going to be a hundredfold return in here tonight. In the name of Jesus, 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 in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's lift the Lord up with a hand clap of praise. Would you do that? You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor tonight. Look at them and say, you've got to follow the plan. You must follow the plan. Church, I feel such a deep, settled peace in my soul in this place tonight. I feel such a hunger in my heart. And when I say that, I don't mean necessarily that I'm just hungry. I feel a hunger in this room. There are some people that God is about to reveal some things to you that you just haven't quite understood until right now. There's been some things that you've heard us preach in this pulpit, you've heard people talk about, and it just hasn't quite made sense to you, but God is about to reveal himself to you in a mighty way, and you're going to begin to see very clearly what the Spirit of the Lord's been speaking. Will you receive that in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. So a little bit of background here. I want to just kind of cover some ground of where, I'm, where I've been. We're going to get where we're going very quickly tonight, but tell, tell somebody else tonight, you must follow the plan. You must follow the plan. So we're, we're looking at a situation here of a man that's, uh, that's very broken. He's a man that uh, had everything going for him in his life. He had been elevated. It's kind, of, it's kind of interesting because, to be quite honest with you, Naaman, Naaman wasn't, uh, he wasn't a child of God. He, he was not 
uh, he was not a part of the covenant, but he was a man that God had used. The Bible said that God, God used him to bring deliverance to Syria. God used him. And it was the power of God working in his life. I want something to be crystal clear to you tonight. You don't have to have a pedigree to be used of God. I know you look around here and you see people that have been here and you hear these young people talk. Yeah, I'm an 18th generation Pentecostal, you know. Yeah, now, now not my great-great-grandfather, but my great-great-great-grandfather was there on the day of Pentecost, you know. I mean, I, I know how that you get around people and you're like, man, everybody here has been in the church all their lives. It's no wonder God uses them. Look, I, I don't say this to be ugly, and, and if, if, uh, if it hurts somebody's feelings, they didn't have the Holy Ghost anyway. God's not impressed with people anymore because they've been in the church for 30 years than he is somebody that's been here for 30 minutes and you're hungry. God, God is not going to bless somebody anymore that's been here for 30 years. You know, it's in your Bible. It's Jesus tells the parable about these workers that are coming in at the end of the day. Have you read it? Can I give you the fast forward version? So he's got all these people that are working. Jesus is telling the story. All these people are working. And as the day goes on, other people start getting hired. Well, at the end of the day... When he comes to give payments, everybody familiar with the story? The, the man of the vineyard, the, 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 the host, the, the man that's the master of the house, he comes to pay everybody, and the Bible don't say, but let's just say it's $100. So the guy that clocked in at 6 o'clock in the morning and worked all day long, he handed him a $100 bill. And the guy that clocked in at 9 o'clock in the morning, he handed him a $100 bill. And the guy that clocked in at 12 o'clock noon, he handed him a $100 bill. It's 5 o'clock, and they're getting off work. And there was a man that clocked in at 4.30. And the man that clocked in at 4.30, the master handed him a $100 bill. Jesus said, these people were frustrated because the ones that came in in the end got the same payment as the ones that were there working all day long. He said they were frustrated. But church, I want to tell you something that I think it's time we start dealing with. We have not seen the greatest revival that we're going to see. We have not seen the greatest harvest that we're going to see. And we're going to have to get comfortable with watching God pay people. The same thing that he's paid some of us veterans that have been here for a long time. It's all right with me when God sends us new converts and they get blessed. It's all right with me when Oh, no. Oh, no. God, what if God uses them? What if those people come to our church and they sit in my seat? What? What are we going to do if they come and get my position? What would I do? Pat, what would I do? If these people come in here and pastor asked them to lead in a position that I wanted to lead in. And we start getting frustrated. But I'm going to tell y'all, just write it down. If you want to, write it next to Acts 2.38 because it's going to come to pass. There are going to be people that we're going to see preach the word. 
that it hasn't been but just months since their breath smelled like nicotine. They still, they've still got scars on their arms from needle tracks. They don't, they don't deserve to be used of God. See, that's, that's where we start getting messed up. Because there's no such thing as seniority in the kingdom of God. God's not just going to use me because I'm the one that's been here. God's going to use some backsliders that should have stayed here, but they didn't stay here. And you've got to guard your spirit against the spirit of the elder brother that when the prodigal comes home, we get jealous of the fatted calf and the golden ring. It, it's a devastating thing. You watch it. You, I'm, I'm just telling y'all. I'm going to make you happy in a minute. But it's a funny thing when you watch people. We start getting ownership in the kingdom. We marry ourselves to things that identify us. I've seen it happen in my life with ministry. I've seen men that married themselves to positions in organizations. And after they marry themselves to that, then that goes away. They don't, they don't have an identity because that's what they were married to. I've seen men marry themselves to their position as a pastor in a church, and when they give that up, they don't know what to do. There's a younger guy pastoring, and that thing's grown without me. What am I going to do, you know? It's kind of a frustrating deal. What do I do? How, how do I deal with that? Bishop and I have dealt with countless people through the years that will come to us in, in private and say, Brethren, please help us. We, we don't know how to transition. We're, we're going to kill each other. It's, what are we going to do? You know, it's like we can't even go to church together, and you got... Men having to move away and leave town. I, I, I talked with one pastor when he took the church. Said we just, I just, me and the former pastor couldn't get along. The man moved two hours. The old pastor moved two hours away from church, and only comes in on Sunday to be at church. They, just, they can't get along. It's like, there's this, there's this thing that happens to us if we're not careful, that we get married to position and we get married to the classroom that we taught and we get married. To our ushering post. The ushers with attitude. You got to watch them. Remember that? If you weren't here, we'll just fill you in. But we shot some video commercials of ushers with attitude. And if you can imagine Brother Looper with sunglasses and his arms crossed, that was the idea. It's like, if I'm not, if I don't have that, then I don't have anything. And that's why we work so hard in this church to get you to build your relationship with God on your relationship with God. And not on position and not on power and, and not on titles. Can you, can you imagine? Can I, just, can I just throw this up? Can I do this? Is this all right? Could you imagine the kind of revival that we could have in Pentecost if nobody cared who got the glory? Boy. So that whole 100% of people thing, I'm about to take that back. Your hearts are ready to receive it. I feel they are. But could you imagine what God could do? Man, they're having revival. So, oh, yeah, is that, is that guy UPC? Is that, is that guy ALJC? Is, are they WPF? What are they? They're apostolic. That's what they are. They're apostolic. And when they have revival, we're having revival. 
I don't, I don't care what organization they belong to. If they're having a revival, they're having a revival. Yeah, yeah, but we want that to happen here. Then you got to rejoice with those who rejoice. We got to quit being so critical. Every time we see a post on social media that so many people got the Holy Ghost at another church. Well, I wonder what they compromised to get that. How about this? Let's just rejoice that it's their season and say, God, we're going to rejoice in their season until you do it here. We rejoice in that. And so it's like God's going to help us because I want to be careful how I say this because this is not a boo session at all. But we know what it feels like to be on the receiving ends of some of those blows. We're in the middle of great revival and harvest and things are happening. And, you know, my bishop was always, uh, has always towed the line, always preached holiness and godliness and separation. We've always been a separated church, a godly church. And in the middle of this revival, people are coming in that don't look like us and don't act like us. And they don't dress like us. And they show up to camp meetings and all those things. And they're like, hmm, looks like Anderson's compromising. You know what's really sad to me is when I go preach for places that everybody in the building looks like they've been there for 40 years. Please don't be hurt by what I'm saying. But I thank God that not everybody in this church looks like they've got it all together. I thank God that there's still people in this church that are just learning how to walk with God. I thank God that we have babies in this church that are still saying, Pastor, I don't understand all of it, but I'm going to give God my best. And if you preach it, I believe it. Even if I don't understand it, I want to walk with God. Walk with God. So it's like you've got to build this relationship with God. I'm, I'm not offended. And I hope I don't offend anybody saying this because I'm talking pretty straight to you. But I'm not offended when I hug people that come to this church that still smell like they got smoke on their clothes. I'm not. I'm not offended when I see people out in public that have been coming here. And I know they don't get it all yet. They don't quite understand everything yet. And they don't look like they're dressed in their Sunday best at Meyer. Because God is doing a work on those people. And you've got to follow the plan. You've got to get committed to the plan. Revival does not look like everybody in the room looking like everybody in the room. Revival looks like some people that are going to stumble and fall along the way. But say, I'm going to get back up. Because if God was good enough to find me, God is good enough to keep me. We were approached this week, um, this past week, I guess it was, we got a, another uh, couple of families from outside the church that are bringing their kids to school, and we thank the Lord for that, that in one year our school is doubled. In one year. In one year. God is blessing it, and so we're kind of in a weird way right now. We're praying that God will... Help us, because we need square footage. God's going to make a way. I just believe he will. Amen. God's going to make a way. But this family, they, they, 
they asked the question to some of our staff. They said, so do we have to believe the same thing you guys believe for our kids to come here? And uh, Brother Jordan told the man, he said, well, you know, we, have, we have a Baptist family. Bring their kids here to school. And then he kind of got that grin on his face. I said, but you didn't, you didn't tell him that that Baptist boy just got the Holy Ghost, did you? <laughs> Hey, I'm going to tell you right now. I welcome it when they walk through the door and say, Now, I'm, I'm not, do, do you guys speak in tongues? Are you guys oneness? I've got some questions about that. I say, Come on in. Come on in. There's a plan. There's a plan. God's got a plan. You've got to follow the plan. What are you saying, Pastor? Forgive me if I sound mean or bold, but you better get ready to scoot over. God's about to give your seat away. There's revival coming that don't look like us. They don't act like us. They don't smell like us. But they are harvest, and God's getting this church ready. I thank God for our faithful saints. I thank God for the gray hair we've got in this church. I thank God for the prayer warriors we've got in this church. But I want to tell you that God's about to send some drug addicts who are going to get the same reward that our elders are going to get. It doesn't matter if they come in. In the 11th hour, we're going to walk on a street of gold. We're going to have to deal with issues that we didn't realize we'd ever have to deal with. And we're going to have to answer some questions that we never dreamed would be asked. But I'm saying bring it on, Jesus. You've got a plan. And the plan will work. When you get a preconceived idea and you marry yourself, you marry yourself to the idea and not the plan, you get frustrated when the plan don't look like your idea. I hope that was clear as mud right there. Can I preach to you all on Wednesday night? I feel revival up in here. I'm going to be honest with you. I feel, I, I feel we're sitting on a powder keg right now. I could push a couple little buttons right here and this thing would explode. But I'm telling you tonight that God is trying to help us to understand that we cannot afford to be married to preconceived ideas of what revival is going to look like. Revival is not going to look like showing up here one Sunday and there's a hundred people waiting at the front door ready to get baptized in Jesus' name. That's not revival, but I'll tell you what revival looks like. It looks like a hundred people telling one person... Do you know how to get a hundred people waiting to be baptized? You get one hundred people to tell one person you got to be baptized in Jesus' name. Do you know what we're telling God when we don't want to win souls? We're telling God that we're selfish. And we don't want them getting the same pay that we're getting at the end of the day. Lord, you said you'd open their hearts. Listen, I'm telling you tonight that God is trying to do a work in this church. I, I, I told Brother Shepherd today, I said, Brother, 
I'm just telling you what I feel. We've been praying and we've been fasting. We've had folks on extended fast. We've had people praying. I said, I'm going to tell you what I feel. I said, I believe that a lot of times, and man, I, I know the feeling. I said, but I, I know sometimes you got to work that first week just to till the soil up, you know. you got to go into the church, preach, get the church ready. I said, I'll tell you what I'm believing. I, I said, I believe that our church is getting ready. I believe it's ready right now. I believe the soil's ready. I said, I don't believe you're going to have to come in here and turn it up for three or four nights that first week. I said, I believe when you walk in here and your feet hit the floor in that pulpit that everything we've been praying for, woo, and everything we've been asking God for, that we're going to hit the ground running. Folks, if you've ever wondered what it's going to look like to have an apostolic revival, I believe you're about to lay your eyes on it. I believe we've come to, but we got to follow the plan. Be seated. I'm, I'm trying to hurry, man. I, I feel like, oh, uh, what was his name? The country guy, Jerry, eastbound and down. What was his name? So nobody wants to act like you've ever listened to country music. Jerry Reed. He said, we got a long way to go and a short time to get there. That's how I feel on this Wednesday night. We got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I believe, I believe that if Pentecost uh, has an Achilles heel, if I could say it like that, we get married to preconceived ideas. It's a weakness in our movement that we feel like we know how God's going to work. We know what God's going to do. We know exactly how it's going to happen. And we get these ideas Maybe you've never done this, so I'll just share my guilt. That there's this one person that you're working on, and you know that's going to be the one that's going to get saved. Yeah. I, I'm just telling you. I, uh, I don't even know how to share all this because I don't know who all watches, but I'll just say it to you like this. And if you attend this church, some of you will know exactly what I'm talking about. I took a job because I felt like the Lord wanted me to let my light shine at this place, and I went. And I thought the owners of that company we're going to be the ones that came and they weren't God gave us another precious man that's been faithful member of this church for many years now you get this idea the other day I was I was uh, you know resting on vacation and uh, I was sitting in my, my lawn chair was at this big air, airport they spit out the numbers today it was 650,000 people that came to that thing 650,000 people now I want you to just keep track of this right here there's 650,000 people there I'm sitting by myself in a lawn chair nobody else around nobody there ain't nobody there just me and this guy walks up and goes how you doing I said it's about to be a long day I'm good, sir. How are you? Doing good. So you like airplanes? Yeah. Conversation goes. You ain't going to believe this. Everybody say this with me. 650,000. You a preacher? Yes, sir. 
kind of figured you were. You ever heard of such and such church? I said, yeah, I have. He said, you think they're crazy? I said, sir, I'm a Pentecostal preacher. He said, oh, maybe you don't think we're crazy then. I said, no, I don't. He said, I said, you got a family? He said, I don't. My wife left me. I was in the ministry. My wife left me. He said, I was in the ministry in that church. He started telling me, he said, God did miracles. He told me about walking in the hospital and praying for this guy that had cancer. They gave him like two days to live. God raised that man up out of bed. He said, he's still alive today. God did it. He started telling me, he said, but somehow just kind of drifted. I said, you're not ministry anymore? No, no. No, I'm not. I said, sir. You do believe that God allows people to to cross paths by divine order. He looked at me funny. I said, sir, what I'm telling you is, I'm glad you came up to me. He said, you are? I said, I'm glad you came up to me. God began to move on that man, touched his heart. I could tell the Holy Ghost was on him. My wife texted and said, hey, come meet me at this place to eat. And I said, okay. So I called him by name. I said, hey, walk with me up here. We're on our way out, and he stopped and looked at me. He said, between here and that trash barrel up there, we got maybe 30 steps. He said, if you could ask God for one thing right now, between here and that barrel, tell me, go now, what would you do? I began to talk to him. I said, isn't that something? He's over here talking faith. He's talking about the goodness of God. Out of 650,000 people, God sends this broken man to an apostolic Pentecostal preacher. And by the time we left, God was working on that man and restoring his heart. Listen, you can say that revival looks like this and this and this. And you can go get your little 10-point program. I'm going to tell you what revival looks like. There is a plan. You've got to let your steps be ordered of the Lord. You better get ready because God's going to put people in your path that you never dreamed God would give you the... I feel a witness in that. You never dreamed you'd have the opportunity to tell them of the goodness of the Lord. I'm declaring to you that the favor of God is going to walk before this church. The favor of God is going to go before you people. God is going to give us favor in this city. I don't know how to explain to you what I feel right now. But God's about to send families. We never expected to bring their kids to PCA. God is whoa, God is about to open effectual doors that we never dreamed. There's a stirring in the hearts of some people in here right now. There's some divine relocation going on right now. Some of you better just get ready. When you start to turn left, you're going to hear the Holy Ghost say, turn right. When you were going to go to one grocery store, the Holy Ghost is going to tell you to go to another grocery store. Get ready.
The Bible said that Naaman rides up with his horses and his chariot. And he comes to the door. This is a good man. To be honest with you, he's kind of a big deal. This is no slouch. This dude's got some corn in his crib. He's a, he's a pretty big deal. He comes rolling up to the door. Somebody say the door. Oh, God, I feel this in the Holy Ghost tonight. He pulls up to the door of revival. And he's expecting that Elisha is going to walk out the door. And so here he is, a messed up dude. He pulls up to the door of revival, expecting the prophet to come out. And the prophet don't come out. It's a little hired servant. Here she comes. She's got to keep her distance because he's a... He's got problems. He's a leper. Uh, sir, what can I do for you? I'm here to see the prophet. Yeah, that's who sent me out here. Are you Naaman? Yeah. Well, this is what the prophet told me to tell you to do. The prophet told me to tell you. And his brain's already working. The prophet told you to tell me. Why don't the prophet bring his tail out here and tell me himself? I've come all this way. I need the prophet to come tell me what you're telling me right now. And this is what happens when, when we're married to a preconceived idea. The word of God is coming in one ear and trying to speak to us. And our mind is saying, that's not how it's going to happen. She's standing right here giving him answers. Uh, the prophet said to tell you to go to Jordan... And dip seven times. Number one, who do you think you are out here telling me anything? Do you know who I am? Yeah, I know who you are. You're a messed up dude. And you, have, you are living your life with a death sentence over your head. But verse 11 said, he got ticked off. That's what that means. That's a King James. But Naaman was ticked off. He was bamboozled. He was mad. That, that Roth, that's a big word. That word Roth is right next door. It's a next door neighbor to hatred. He was tore up from the floor up. He was mad. And this right here could be the saddest moment of the story. He got mad and went away. I'm preaching to somebody in here right now. I am so married to my preconceived idea that I'd rather die like this than I would to stop and listen to the process. When you get to the place that you are so desperate for revival that you have no other options, you won't pack your bags up and leave whenever a word comes across the pulpit that says, uh... Your preconceived idea is not going to work. Now, I've preached this many, many times through the years. I don't have all the numbers in front of me. Uh, but it, it was quite a trip to get from where Naaman lived to the prophet's house. If I'm not mistaken, please don't quote me on this. I know I should have been prepared, but I'm just walking. It was some, somewhere between 60 and 70 miles. 
something like that. He had to ride in a chariot to get to where the prophet was. And they say that he was literally just a few miles, maybe seven miles, something like that away from the Jordan River. But if you read down through this chapter, and for the sake of time, I'm going to hurry. It's 817. I know what time it is. And God's going to do a work in here. But the scripture said that Naaman, he turns and he looks at this woman and he's mad. He's ticked off. He leaves. He's ready to go back home. And all of a sudden, I'm asking myself this question in the middle of this story. Like, dude, you've come so much further than you have left to go. Now, I'm fixing to preach some stuff to y'all right here that I need everybody to put your seatbelts on for just a minute. She told him to go dip seven times. He said, isn't there water that's closer? Isn't there another river that I could go to? Yes, but you got to follow the plan. Well, can't I just be baptized the way I want to be baptized? No. There's a plan. Tell your neighbor, you got to follow the plan. Well, can I, can, 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 can I just be saved the way that I want to be saved? No, I'll tell you what you can do, Naaman. Can I just be straight tonight? Can I preach straight to you? I'll tell you what you can do, Naaman. You can pick the river if you want to, but you're going to come out of that water a leper. I'd rather find a church that teaches easy grace. You can. I'd rather find one that has really good donuts on Sunday. You can. You won't find one that has better cafe than this one. Listen. You can always find another river. But that river's not in the process. It's not the plan. Well, I don't necessarily agree with all their doctrine, but I do, I do like the people there. But the problem is, that river may look a little cleaner to you. It may be a little cooler. It may not be as gross to you. But here's the issue. You're not going there because you decided to join the Jordan Swimming Club. Lord, I'm preaching up in here right now. You're not going there because you were looking for a good swimming hole. You are going there because you're on your way to a casket, Naaman. You're on your way to a grave. Can I preach it like this? You're on your way to hell, Naaman. You're going to die lost and you're going to die without God. But there is a plan. And if you follow it, I don't like that river. But that river is part of the plan. I don't like the way y'all live separate. I understand that. But it's part of the plan. I don't, I don't believe you have to get the Holy Ghost. I understand you don't like that. But it's part of the plan. You don't pick the river. God picks the river. This is the point in the story. Where if Naaman was an American in the 21st century, he would say, my grandmother was not baptized in that river. My grandmother was baptized over there in Shiny Creek. Oh. Is your grandma the leper that's standing here right now? Because whatever was going to happen with your grandmother... 
It's happened. Well, well uh, so then do you believe, do you believe that since my grandmother didn't do this and didn't do that, my grandmother's lost? No, we're not talking about your grandmother. Hey, I'm not, I'm not here to hurt nobody. We're not talking about your grandmother. God dealt with your grandmother. God talked with your I don't know what chances your grandmother had, but this is what I'm telling you, Damon. There is one river that's got your name on it. And the Lord said through the prophet, you got to go to that river. If you want revival, if you want restoration, if you want to be healed, if you don't want to be a leper, you got to go to that river and you've got to dip seven times. So Naaman, finally, he gives up and he realizes I've come this far. I might as well go. What do I have to lose? Boy, that's, that right there is one of the most powerful questions I wish people would ask themselves. You've tried everything and it's failed. Come on. Yeah, I, I was a drug addict. Yeah, you, yeah. He said a good one. You were a drug addict. How'd that work out for you? Yeah, I was an alcoholic. Yeah. It didn't work, did it? Because every time your blues went away, you'd wake up tomorrow and the blues were there again. And as soon as people get frustrated with God, they're like, I ain't about to go to that river. Listen, I'm not being ugly tonight. Brother Dan, you mind being security for me? Just get me out of here. If anybody's ready to get me, you just be my security. Listen, I'm going to tell y'all. I'm going to tell you something. God didn't care about Naaman's opinion about the river. Go dip seven times. Seven times. God can't do this in one? Yeah, he can. You're telling me I got to get in that nasty water? What if I just go dip one time? Well, I know people aren't ready for this kind of preaching in our society, but... Brother Richard, it's just the way it is. If you go to that river and you dip one time, you're going to leave a leper. You Pentecostal people are so unfair because you don't understand grace. Oh, I do. Let me tell you about grace. Grace said, you're sick. Here's the way out. Grace said, you're a leper. Go to Jordan and dip seven times. That's not grace. That's legalism. No. What options do you have? What do you have to lose? If you really want revival, you'll listen to the process and you'll go get in the water. Am I being ugly tonight? Come on. I'm not trying to hurt you tonight. I'm trying to tell you. Some look at it and say it's legalism. I look at it and say it's grace. Grace said you are broken and you are a mess. And if you want to get better and you want to get clean, then you got to go to Jordan and there is a formula. You're going to dip seven times. I don't like this river. And I don't like dipping seven times. Well, then go to that river and dip twice. But next week, your finger's going to fall off. I'm going to tell you how this is going to happen. Naaman's either going to dip seven times in the Jordan. Or he's going to wish he would have. 
I don't say it very often, but I know I'm preaching right now. I just bucked up against this wall, and I'm going to tell you, there's going to be some people watch this online, and God's going to do a miracle. I'm believing that in Jesus' name. There's going to be a spirit of revelation that's going to come to somebody. You've been fighting God, and you've been fighting the formula, and you've been fighting the river, but God is... I feel it on me right now. Somebody that's been fighting the process. God is about to set you free. I prophesied in the name of Jesus. You're standing at the door of revival. And God is about to send you in the process. And it's going to change your life. So he goes to the water. Y'all okay? I got four minutes. Starts dipping. Okay, will you help me? Come here, buddy. I know you love pastor. Come on up here. You, you ever squatted? Yeah, squat. Do a squat. Okay, I'm just going to have you do a squat. I want you to go down once. Go ahead. Pop back up. Get that water off your face. You don't mind. Look down there at your hands. You still a leper? Yeah. Well, okay. Try again. What's your hands look like? You still a leper? Hmm. That's interesting. Well, I'll tell you what let's do. You've dipped twice. I just want you to dip four more times real fast, okay? Just dip four. Just go. Let, just go. Four times. One, two, three, four. That's six. How's your hands look? No. Why? Why, listen, oh God, I'm about to preach right here. I'm telling you, I've got, I got my foot on the rock right here. Brother Mike, I'm fixing to preach right here. I'm going to help somebody, buddy. Listen to me. At six dips in the river, he had already obeyed more than he had disobeyed. But he was still a leper. I'm preaching in this house right now. He had already obeyed more than he had disobeyed, but he was still a leper. You know why? Because there's a process and there's a plan. <laughs> if you're going to be saved and if you're going to have revival, I want you to dip one more time, Cade. And when you come up, I want you to look at your hands and tell me what you see. Are you a leper anymore? No, you're not. Take a lap, son. You're not a leper anymore. You know why? Because he followed the plan. There is a plan. And you got to follow the plan. If you want to have revival, you got to follow the plan. If you want to be whole, you got to. I wish somebody would help me in here right now. You can stay standing. I'm going to speak this and I don't want this to sound like I'm being negative. But please hear my heart. We got too many churches in America today that are celebrating five dips. I'm all about rejoicing over small victories. 
But I'm not rejoicing that somebody dips five times when the word of the Lord said, dip seven. What are you saying, pastor? I'm saying I'm not happy with a five-dip revival in this church. I don't believe in the kind of revival where people just come in and repent. And we say, oh, look, God said, yeah, we're going to celebrate that they repented. But you need to know there's a plan. you got to repent of your sins. you got to be baptized in Jesus' name. And you got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And if you don't follow that plan, you're still a leper. I'm preaching about the kind of revival that will set people free. I'm talking about the kind of revival. God have mercy. The kind of revival that'll put families back together. I'm talking about the kind of revival that'll let a drug addict walk in here, but they're going to leave freed in the name of Jesus. We've come to the door of revival. I'm telling you prophetically in the Holy Ghost tonight. FPC, you hear your shepherd tonight. We've come to the door. I'm not talking about something's going to happen next week. You hear me? What is today? Second, third? I'm talking about August the 3rd, 2022. We've, we pulled our card up to the door. We're here. <laughs> and the Holy Ghost said there's a plan. I want to send revival on you that'll heal a leper. I want to send revival on you that'll destroy yokes. But we got to follow the plan. We're not going to have revival watching movies. We're not going to have revival being entertained by the world. We're, come on, I'm not, I'm not here to preach against everything but fresh air. I'm just here to tell you, if we're going to have revival, we got to follow the plan. We're going to have to push away from the table, and we're going to have to find a prayer closet. If we're going to have revival, we're going to have to witness to the lost. We're going to have to evangelize our community. We're going to have to love the unlovable. We're going to have to pursue the people that nobody wants. Oh. I feel such a sweet touch of the Holy Ghost. There is a miracle that's happening right now. There's a miracle that's happening right now, and this is the miracle. Somebody's about to receive revelation. I was talking about this yesterday and had no clue why it just came to me. That people... Uh, that were walking with Jesus on the road to Emmaus. The scripture said they were walking with the Lord and they did not know who he was until he opened their understanding. There have been people that have been walking with the Lord and we're not discounting the fact that they've walked with the Lord. What we're saying is it's a whole new world when you walk with him with understanding. I know this may be online, but I'm calling it forth tonight. I'm calling forth the good old Baptist that's been walking with the Lord all their life, Bishop. And I'm praying in the name of Jesus that God would open their understanding. 
I'm calling forth the good old Nazarene. I'm calling forth the Wesleyan tonight. I'm declaring it in the name of Jesus that there's coming a spirit of understanding. I feel the Holy Ghost. I want to preach to the prince of the air right now. And I want to tell you, you better get ready. Because the blinders are coming off. And God's going to make you take your hands off of the religious spirit that's in this city. And God is going to give us harvest out of the churches in this city. I'm speaking it in Jesus' name. We're going to baptize pastors and entire congregations. We're going to see it happen in the name of Jesus. Come on, rejoice, rejoice. I don't have anything better to preach. I'm telling you, we've come to the door. We're either going to go dip seven times or we're going to turn around and go back to where we came from. We cannot afford to leave here without revival. I wish somebody just get bold enough to tell God right now, just mess my plans up, God. Mess up my preconceived ideas, God. Lord, I've told you how we're going to have revival. But now I'm opening up my heart. And you're going to tell me how we're going to have revival. Come on, church. I've laid my heart out to you tonight. Come on, church. 